Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, Lifehouse. Hey, listen, I want you to do something. Now, be gentle doing this, but I want you to do it. Just go ahead and elbow the person beside you. Just give them an elbow. Not a sharp elbow. No violence here today. Some of you, some of you did that with some attitude. I could see it. All right. <clears throat> listen, I, I had to do that because here's what I believe. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give some people some nudges today. All right. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in super soft, right? Sometimes God speaks in a whisper. Sometimes he comes in like thunder and, and lightning, and sometimes it's a nudge. And uh, sometimes it's a, like an elbow that the Holy Spirit does. And sometimes you need to understand, like, when you feel that thing inside of you that you know is not you, but you just sense it, man, I felt it all through worship. I could just feel the Holy Spirit just kind of nudging. And um, you feel that nudge, that's the Spirit speaking to you. I believe that uh, that happens during worship. I think when we get before God's presence and we begin to open our mouths, right, and we begin to glorify Him, God opens up and speaks to us. He, he um, ministers to us. You feel His presence taking place. I don't know if you felt it back there, but we sure did up here. And um, I believe that's true all the time. So just be open for God's nudge. All right, that thing that he's going to speak to you, he'll speak something to you specifically. All right, some of you I know you don't pick up on everything that goes on in the in the message, uh, but if you just get, I, I'm happy if you walk out of here with one thing, right? Just one thing that God spoke to you, um, you know, along the way. So just go ahead, give somebody an elbow one more time. Now you know the reason for it. Just go ahead, give them a little elbow. I'm going to wait till you do it. All right, just elbow them. Give them. Sorry. There we go. That's why. That's why I was waiting to see. All right. Well, in an article called, That's When I Knew I Was Free, uh, several former prisoners were asked to describe their first hours or days of freedom. These men had been wrongfully convicted, uh, but their first taste of freedom was no different than that of the guilty or even those who have been forgiven by Christ. And I want to just read you a couple of short clips or short accounts of that. Um, Jeffrey Deskovic uh, was age 41, spent 16 years in prison. And he said this, at times I wasn't quite sure whether I was really out and free. I felt like a finger was tapping me on the back and saying, what are you doing? They belong out here, but you don't. They don't even realize that you don't. So I just did something I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to sit outside in the nighttime and not have to go inside. I could see a few stars. I could see the lights in some other houses. It was just a minor thing that had been taken away from me for so long. Fernando um, Bermudez says this. He was age 46, spent 18 years in prison. The first thing I did, I went running into Inwood Hill Park, where all these childhood memories of wanting to be the first, uh, wanting to be a geologist. I used to pick up rocks and collect insects before I became less of a nerd and more of a person in trouble. I'm coming off my run, and I'm doing something I sorely missed. I'm looking at a tree. I'm just admiring it. I've been deprived of nature for so long, I finally got to feel the bark. I was literally crying and hugging a tree, all right? Derek Hamilton, age 49, spent 21 years in prison. He says this, the day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son were all in the car waiting for me. There was a church right around the corner. I would always listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. I didn't even know where the church really was, but I'd pray when I would hear those bells. It was my only opportunity to pray at the same time that others on the outside were praying. And when I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do, just go around in that church and pray. 
I went in, thank God for my release. And going into that church, it was like being born again. Freedom in an area of your life um, is like a lot like those who have spent time behind bars and who have gotten out for the first time. You could feel elation. Um, you could feel disbelief. You can feel gratitude. You can feel emotional overload of some kind, right? You can feel so overwhelmed that you just want to hug somebody or something, even if it's a tree, right? Or you could just sit quietly in awe at the freedom. Look up at the heavens. Maybe look out at the stars. Maybe look at other lights. Look in the distance. But no matter the reaction, freedom should, all, should never be taken for granted. Never. It is a God-given gift to be free. God-given gift. Jesus came to this earth. He came, he died on a cross, he went into a tomb, he came out of that tomb so that you and I could experience freedom. So that if you partake in Christ and you partake in the salvation that he provides, we know freedom from sin. But it doesn't just stop there. His freedom actually extends way beyond just being free from sin, just being washed clean of the sin that we've been involved in. And over the next few weeks, I want to give you uh, a, a little opportunity to hear about God's freedom in a particular area. Now, I'm starting this this week. Next week is Mother's Day. I'm not doing this next week. I'm not even speaking next week. But on down the line, I'm going to continue to speak along the lines of freedom. And what I want to talk about is freedom in the area now of money and possessions, okay? Freedom in the area of money and possessions. And here's my approach to tackling this, what often could be a very sensitive subject, right? As soon as you bring up money and possessions, people are like, Ugh! right? They clench up, you know, and what's he going to say? What's he doing, right? Here's how I do this. I simply offer you the truth straight out of God's word. What you do with the truth is on you. Uh, what you do with that is between you and God. I'm just going to give you uh, the truth. I don't manipulate people. I don't believe in that. I'm not fundraising, I promise you. In fact, the church has had a great couple of years financially, I, I, and I'm not here to get a raise, all right? No matter how much you give, I don't get a raise. Uh, that doesn't work that way. Uh, my paycheck's set by the church of God. Uh, it's a standardized thing. Uh, so if you give more, it doesn't matter. If I, I'm not going to get a raise out of that. I'm not here for any of that. I'm just here to give you the truth about money and possessions. What does God's word say about that? And what's the truth about that? Amen? Is that all right? Come on. Good, good. All right. But before we get into the specifics, uh, you know, of finances and possessions and those kind of things, I got to lay out some foundational truths in God's word. Because if you don't, how many of the foundation's not right? Everything on top is just going to crumble. I don't know if you've ever, if you know anything about a foundation of a house, if, you, if the foundation's cracked and breaking off, what happens to the house? It begins to crack, right? It begins to fall apart. Uh, I've gone into some houses where I've seen that, where the, the foundation is shifted, the wall's pushed in, and what you'll start to see is you'll start to see things cave in. So if you don't get the foundation right, if you don't understand some very foundational things in God's Word, you're not going to understand what God's really saying about money and possessions. So we're really going to start that this morning. I want to talk about foundational principles that will help us understand and help us find the truth about money and possessions in God's word. And I want to start with eight, uh, John 8, 31, because Jesus said this. And this is probably the most quoted verse in, in all the Bible. A lot of people say it's John three sixteen, but I actually think this is probably quoted more. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, say the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? The path to freedom is always paved 
with the truth. All right? The path to freedom is always paved with the truth. Freedom and, and truth are always accompanying each other. And this is not just sometimes, this is not just occasionally, this is not just once in a while, this is not just when things, you know, are just right. It's not just on every third Sunday of the month, okay? It's not, this is an always kind of thing. Freedom, uh, the path to freedom is always paved with truth. Only the bricks of truth will get you to a place of freedom in your lives. And that's not just in money and possessions, it's really in everything. But the bricks of a lie always lead to bondage. They're opposites, all right? The bricks of truth lead to freedom. The bricks of a lie always lead to bondage. If you, um, and you can count on this without fail, um, it's foundational. Say foundational. I want you to get this in your spirit. Uh, this is something you can take to the bank. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? All right? You know what I'm talking about? That means you can count on it. The truth always leads to freedom, and a lie always leads to bondage. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever lied? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand, okay? All right? Some of you didn't raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying right now. All right? <laughs> See, might as well just go ahead and raise it up now, all right? How many of you have ever lied? Raise your hand. Thank you, 100% participation. All right? <laughs> You've already lied. There's, there's bondage in lies for all kinds of reasons. First and foremost... The word of God says it's a sin, all right? Uh, it, God says it's a sin. Lying is a violation of God's moral law. It really is. It's completely contrary to God's nature. Uh, it is completely the opposite. As a matter of fact, the word of God even says that God hates lying. He really does. He doesn't hate the liar. He hates lying. He, does, he hates the lie. And, and we're not, we don't say that much in our house, right? Especially with the grandkids around. We don't use that word hate very often. Matter of fact, when our kids were little, we wouldn't let them use it. If they said the word hate, we made them just hug it out, right? They just had to hug it out. Um, but but we, didn't, we didn't use that word. But it is used at times. And God literally hates lies. The Bible tells us that, that the nature or the moral uh, operandi of a lie really stems from Satan. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says that Satan is the father of all lies, that all lies stem from him. And anytime there's something connected with Satan, anytime there's something connected with the enemy, you can bet there's bondage that's going to follow, right? So a lie always leads to bondage. And so if we purposely practice lying, bondage is in our future. It really is. Can I give you a very quick and convincing scripture on this? Revelation 21, 6 says this. And he said to me, it's done. This is God speaking in Revelation. It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I shall be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all what? Liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, and which is the second death. This is the ultimate bondage, right? If you're a practicing liar, you might want to change your practice. Because practicing liars, this is what it leads to, right? It, the Word of God's clear. It talks about hell and the lake of fire and eternal separation from God. There is bondage long term in lying. And it's in the here, there's bondage long term, and there's bondage in lying in the here and now, right? Long term, I just gave you the verse for that. Um, short term, there's bondage as well. Uh, how many know if you tell one lie, then you got to tell about 12 other lies to cover up your first lie, right? 
If you tell one lie, it's probably, it's not a one and done. You just go, you don't have to tell a bunch of other lies. Do you ever notice how hard it is to remember the lies, but it's super easy to remember the truth, right? Because the truth actually happened. You know, the truth is easy. You remember what took place. You remember what was said. You remember what's actually there, right? It's easy to remember a truth. It's difficult to remember all the lies. You know, when you get lies, they start stacking up, right? Uh, they, they, start, they start adding up. Because if you tell one lie, you got to tell some more, right? If somebody asks you, did you take the last cookie? When you know you took the last cookie, all right? Did you take the last cookie? No, I did not take the last cookie. Lie number one, right? Well, where did the last cookie go? I don't know. Lie number two, all right? My brother must have ate it, Right? You don't have a brother. Lie number three, all right? <laughs> Lie number three, right? Uh, um, well, it, it must have been my sister, all right? Your sister isn't here. Lie number four, right? Uh, it, 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 your sister's been gone for four years. She's at college, okay? <laughs> you, you just start stacking them up, and you start getting under pressure, and you got to start digging your way out, right? So you start, there's bondage in that. You start speaking lies. You start not telling the truth. You start covering up, right? You just keep on shoveling. How many of you ever just keep on shoveling and get yourself in trouble? You just keep going shoveling a little deeper, a little deeper, and, you're under, and, and, you, and then you get labeled the liar, right? Hey, you're lying about the cookies. I know you're lying about the cookies, right? And then you got, you, once you get labeled, then, then you got to confess, Right, you got to fess up. You got to confess. Then you got to repent to make it right. So that means you got to change. And then you got to prove yourself. You got to start building trust back up. Right? There's bondage. Right? A lie. Right? You lie on your resume, and, and they check. They ask. You know, you lie about your education on your resume, and they ask for the transcript. Right? It, it's bondage, man. You lie to the tax office, right? To the IRS, and, and they demand proof. All right? How many know there could be bondage in your future? All right? There can be. The truth always leads to freedom, and a lie always leads to bondage. It's foundational. Understand that. Anything in God's word. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And that is completely true, even in the area of money and possessions. Freedom is knowing the truth. It's attached. It's connected. I have never yet met a person who says, you know, you know, I've sat down across the table from them, and they come talk to me as their pastor. I've never had anybody sit down and say, you know, pastor, I tried out some financial bondage this year. I think I like it, all right? It's kind of cool, all right? I think I'm going to do it again next year. That's never a conversation I've ever had, right? Never happened that way. I've had plenty of people in tears about financial bondage. I've had lots of people frustrated and stressed out about financial bondage. And I've had people who've walked out of financial bondage. They learn the truth of God's word and they celebrate the whole time. There's, and they're telling me, I don't ever want to go back to that again. I don't ever want to experience that again, right? Know the truth because the truth can set you free. Know the truth about money and possessions. Know the truth about everything in God's word because there's freedom in that. Part of why, part of knowing God's word is about setting us free. Amen? All right. So let me give you principle number one. Uh, Maybe this is number two. Number two, realize that you are a manager and God is the owner of everything. Okay? Now you got to get your head around this completely. Uh, And you got to learn to function from this because if you don't function from this, this will kind of get warped. Things start to get cracked in the foundation. Uh, The the perspective of is that God is the owner of everything and I'm just a manager. 
Okay, if you get your perspective with this, if you get your head in this, there's freedom at the end of this. Uh, there's freedom that awaits you, truly. Okay, the truth is uh, kind of like a set of railroad tracks. If you get on the right tracks and you keep going, you're going to get to the destination. It's a one-way trip to freedom. God owns it all. I mean, he really owns it all. He owns everything that we have. Everything that's in your house, I want you to do a mental picture right now. You can close your eyes if you want to. I want you to just start a picture in your house, right? Yeah, I want you to look inside your house and maybe take a stroll through the living room and through the bedroom and, and through the garage, and, and, uh, right? Because God owns it all. He owns your house. He owns, uh, he owns the 70-inch TV you got hanging in your living room. He owns, he owns the, the, the things that are stuffed in the basement. You don't even know what's there, some of you, right? It's been in the boxes for years. He owns that. He owns the juicer sitting up on the top shelf. All right, that you forgot about this stuffed in the back. He owns the stuff that's on the countertop. He owns the siding that's on the side of your house. He owns it all. It's all his. He, pinch yourself right now. Go ahead, pinch yourself. Just pinch your, better yet, pinch your neighbor. It's more fun to pinch somebody else. Come on, pinch somebody if you know him. All right? He owns you. Do you know that? He owns you. He owns your body. He owns the mountains. He owns the valleys. He, he owns the desert. He owns... He owns the lush uh, jungles. He owns the moon and the stars. He owns, he, he owns the, the earth beneath our feet. He owns your family. He owns your children. He owns your mother-in-law, right? Your, grand, your grumpy uncle, he owns them, right? He owns them. Everything you see, touch, smell, feel, hear, it's his. He holds title to it. Understand, he's the owner we're the managers. Psalms 24, 1 and 2 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. The world and all its people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Psalms 89, 11 says, And the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours. The world and its fullness, you have founded them. Job 41, 11, this is God speaking. He said, Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. First Chronicles 29, 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. He owns it all. He has dominion over it all. <laughs> Nothing will change your perspective in money and finances more then realizing, and not just realizing, and believing that you don't own any of it. It's all his. It's his. Now listen, he gave you the ability, right, and the opportunity to earn a wage so you could buy the right to manage his stuff. It's not so you could own it. He gave you the ability and the opportunity to earn a wage so you could buy stuff that you could manage for him, not to own it. We don't own a thing. We just earn the right to borrow what is his and to manage what is his. Listen, if we don't believe this, not just think about it, just not that it's a nice concept, but like actually get it in your belief system. If we don't believe this, our foundation, our financial foundation, a, a godly fin financial foundation will be cracked. 
We'll live under the delusion that we control everything uh, or even some of the things, uh, you know, when it comes to money and possessions. We'll think that we call the shots with the money and possessions instead of him, right? Calling the shots. We, we won't pray about large purchases, right? Now, I, I know you don't got to pray about getting toothpaste. I don't think anyway. I, I, you could challenge me on that. Maybe you do, all right? But, you know, God gives you the, the, the ability to do those things. But if we don't believe this about God, we'll never consult with him. We never check with him and say, hey, is this a good idea or is this not a good idea, right? Come on, don't, don't get all tense on me. <laughs> I'll go as far as to say um, that we'll pick and choose what truths in the area of finances and possessions that, that we want to and we'll leave the rest behind. He owns it all. He owns it all. He owns it all. It's his. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Get it in your head. It's his. Because it's, it's dangerous as a follower of Jesus to believe something different. Following Jesus and believing that I'm the owner of the money and the possessions in my possession is a dangerous way to live. It really is. It's a dangerous way to live. Um, because one day, one day, uh, I'm either going to stand before God when I pass from this life to the next, or one day Jesus is going to return, and I'm going to stand before him. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, he's going to say, what did you do with my stuff, right? What, what did you do with the things that I gave you? And, and let me prove this to you, all right, because you might not want to take my word for it, but I'm going to show you in God's word. Matthew 25, 14, Jesus tells a parable. He tells a story, and he lays this out so, so easily. And it says this at the beginning of this parable. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. Anytime you see this in God's word, anytime you see the kingdom of heaven is like, anytime you see the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by this story, this is how it works in God's kingdom. This is what, you, you can picture this, you can pull a million different truths out of this, but I assure you, this is how it works in his economy. This is how he structures things. Not the world around you, but he, how he does it. He says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Guess who the man is? God, right? He called together his servants, who is us, and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money, which his master did not tell him to do. After a long time, their master, right, the owner, returned from his trip and called him in to give an account of how they used the, his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. His master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. The servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harsting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. He comes in and, first of all, starts insulting the master. Bad idea, okay? I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. 
Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the, to the servant who has the one and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. Come on, there's a principle there. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who experienced freedom in this analogy of the kingdom of God, right? The manager, the, the two that managed well, the two that God put something in their hands and, and, and said, the manager put something or the owner put something in their hand and said, go manage this, go use this, go expand this, go make this larger, go, go use this for the kingdom of God, right? Go, go and do this. And, and, and those were the two, the one who didn't. The one who just went and did what he wanted to do, just thought, well, you know what? I'm going to make up my mind and how this is all going to work. I'm going to stick it in the ground. I'm going to cover it up. And, and then when the mask comes back, I'll just hand it back to him, right? Things will be good then. No, it wasn't. Because the owner said, go and invest it. Go use it. Everything you got in your hand, everything that God's placed in your hand, that's a tool for the kingdom of God. You can use anything you've got in, in your home, in, in your possession, right? Anything that you have can be used for the kingdom of God. He said, just go use it. And, and he said, to the one, um, to one who didn't, he said, listen, there's going to be bondage and torture, right? Uh, and I quote, verse 30, now throw that useless servant out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's tough, right? I know it is. Believing I'm the owner instead of just the manager is a dangerous proposition in the kingdom of God. That's a bad idea, right? We gotta, we gotta understand. He's the owner. He's the owner. I'm the manager. Several years ago, uh, we got the opportunity. Uh, we're part of a denomination, the Church of God, and, and of course, we, we get Church of God has about seven million members worldwide. It's a big denomination, and we got the opportunity to go down to the denominational headquarters and tour the headquarters. And I remember I was in this small group, and they're taking us through, and they're showing us the offices, and they're showing us all these things. So we go into the office of the general overseer of the Church of God. Now, he's the top dog, okay? He, he's the boss of all bosses. He's my boss's boss's boss, okay? He calls the shots um, with a whole group of other council, um, different people. But he th they all take us into his office, you know? And, and we march in, and it was just really kind of a, just a regular office. But the tour guide took us in, and he marched us all in, and there's like, I don't know, I can't remember, like eight of us, something like that, ten of us. And he said, hey, by the way, if you want to, you can just sit in his chair. He wasn't there. And we're all looking around like, is this an integrity test? <laughs> you know, that's the boss's, that's the boss's boss's chair. You know, we're like, are we supposed to say yes here? Are we supposed to, you ever, you ever wonder if something's a trick question? Because they, the tour guide was serious. We're like, really? You can just take a, sit in his chair and take a selfie? And like, all of us declined. <laughs> we're like, no, because he might come back in, right? Here I am with my feet propped up taking a selfie in the general overseer's seat, right? That's what we do with God. We sit in his seat and we say, oh no, I'm the owner. I take a selfie. He says, no, you're not. You're the manager, right? It's foundational. It's foundational. He's the owner. We're the manager. He'll bless your socks off, right? He, he did the servants, right? You just, you just do it his way. Listen, God is not about you, against you having things. 
He really isn't. Matter of fact, you know, you can go into God's word. He, there's a lot. I'm going to unfold it in, in, in the weeks to come. But some of the most wealthiest people in the world were, were you know, following God. Solomon but was one of the wealthiest men who ever walked the face of the planet, if not the wealthiest. Job was wealthy. Um, Abraham was wealthy. You know, Isaac and Jacob, they're all, God's not against, God's, he, what it is is a mindset. It's about, okay, can I trust you with what I put in your hands to manage? How many of you came into this world, you're going out with nothing, right? You came in with nothing, you're, gonna, you're not going to take anything with you. I don't care what they stuff in your coffin, all right? They can stuff as much gold in your coffin as you want. It's going to be, they can dig it up three months later, guess what's still going to be there, right? If you put a bunch of gold in your coffin, somebody's going to dig you up sooner, all right? It's just, you're not taking it with you when you go. God said, just manage it. I'm the owner. Manage it. And, and, and watch what I can do to expand it. One with the five, five more. One with the two, two more. When you do things, I tell people this all the time, and it's completely true. I'm going to get you to stand as the worship team comes. Just go ahead and stand. Understand this principle. If you do what God says in his word, do you know that it's already blessed? You don't have to ask for it to be blessed. You don't have to come and say, God, I'm going to obey you in this. Please bless me. You don't even have to say that. Because God says, what I said is already blessed. If you walk in it, it's already the done deal. If you step in it, you're already going to have the blessing. If you follow in obedience, it's already there. He wants to bless his children, but he says, you got to do it my way. That's why he says things in the word of God like, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Because the world sees it completely opposite. You know that? This is what he says. So one principle I want to get in your head and your heart this morning is this. One thing, one thing. Close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to block out anything that's around you. You're not worrying about who's standing beside you or what I'm saying or doing or moving. Do you see yourself as the manager or the owner? Because freedom begins when I believe that I'm managing for the owner. That's where it begins. In finances and possessions, this is where it begins. Now, while you got your eyes closed, I know I took you through your house a little bit quickly, virtually, right? Now I'm, I'm going to ask you to you get a little test you can do for yourself. Little manager test versus owner test. Would I be willing to give away anything God told me to give away? Anything that God's placed in my hand, right? Anything is in my hand. Now listen, if you borrowed money for whatever's in your hand, you don't really own it. You own it with somebody else. You'd have to ask them, all right? But, but if you own it, would I, would I be willing to give it away? Because if you're just a manager, you don't really own it anyway, why would you worry about it? And if we've got a God who owns the, uh, <laughs> the cattle on a thousand hills and can supply anything that we want, anything that we need, why would we worry about it? This is the difference between owning and managing. If God spoke it, if the owner said, give it away, would you give it away? Now I want you to look back up at me. God will test you in this sometimes. He really will. Just a, about a year ago, um, I'm not much of a, uh, I, I look at possessions as a, a tool to do God's kingdom and whatever we're doing. And, and God will give you things for the benefit of your family and to do kingdom work. I don't know if you know that or not. We'll, we'll unfold that along the way. He really will. Um, but I, I, I don't hang on to things much. Uh, I'm not very uh, sentimental with stuff. Uh, it's just stuff and it's just 
things that God gives uh, to use and to give. And, but I have a few things, right? Those things that you hang on to. And, and I remember uh, about a year ago, God said, give it away. And I was like, oh, it's just this one thing, God. I really like this thing, you know. I have some um, attachment to it because of it was tied with family. And, you know, and I had all this thing. And I kind of argued with God for a little while. And honestly, I didn't really want to give it to the person they told me to give it to. Uh, just being perfectly honest. Okay. And, and God said, no, I need you to give that away. And I fought with God for a little bit about it, you know, because I was owning it, right? And finally, I just gave in. Now, I'd love to tell you, like, God returned that to me sixfold. He didn't. I just gave it away. But it was something I needed to do. It was something he said, okay, just let go. Just let go of it. Just let go. I'm not the owner. He is. We're just the manager. He has promised you. If you're following him, he has promised you all of heaven. <laughs> There's a place in his word he says, just try me in this. I'm, we're going to get to that in another message. Just try me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour upon you blessings that you can't contain. He'll take care of you. He'll meet your need. Whatever it is. He's just looking for faith. Do we trust him? Bow your heads down. All right. You did the tour. You got to ask yourself the question. One question today. Am I the owner? Am I the manager? I'm going to let you grapple with that. That's between you and God. Father, we come knowing, Lord, that you own everything. Lord, the earth is yours. God, everything above and below the earth. God, everything that surrounds the earth. God, as far as the universe is stretched, Lord. Um, God, and we don't even know where that ends or if it, if it ends. Lord, it is yours. And Lord, uh, God, I pray right now that in... God, in my, my, my small little world that I have, Lord, um, God, that, uh, Lord, I realize that I'm just the manager and I'm not the owner. Lord, I turn over to you uh, this morning. God, the things that are in my hand because they're yours and they're not mine. Lord, I thank you. God, there is such freedom. Lord, in you. And God, there's such freedom in your word. And Lord, I pray, God, that right now, Lord, that I don't just think this is a good concept or I don't just kind of grab hold of this, but I actually believe it. Lord, help me to believe and, and, and to change my perspective on how I live and how I move. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Here's the freedom in this. Here's the freedom in this. I can't tell you the amount of stress that will come off your life when you begin to realize that you don't own it anymore and you're just simply a manager because you don't have to, you don't have to be responsible for all of it. You just got to ask God about it. That's all. And, and he'll work it all out. There's this freedom in God that when you truly step in and you truly believe, you, you're just free because you're consulting the one who cannot fail. Amen? How many know I can fail? If you don't believe that, Dixie and I can talk to you. I've made some investments that failed. <laughs> okay? Long story. Let's share that another time. All right? I've made some investments that failed. I can fail. But I didn't consult God on it. Right? Consult Him. Amen? Man, got all kind of stares going at me here right now. It's good to be in God's house. I know this. I know this. You know, a lot of times we're looking for deliverance for something. We're, we're asking God to move us out of something, a, a, a tough situation. And, and sometimes God does that immediately. Sometimes there's a moment in time when you can pray and that takes place. But a lot of times it's walking out God's process. It's walking out his word. But I'm telling you, there is freedom on the other end. There is freedom. There is freedom.
I could take you to a half a dozen people in this house and they would talk to you about finances and how God set them free in so many ways. Amen? Know that. Know that. Pastor. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.